Trust you all had a good time at lunch and that you're not too sleepy. Um, Pastor asked us to come this afternoon and give you a summary of how we believe the Lord has led us into missions and what our experience in missions has been thus far and uh, where we're headed from here. So that'll be um, our program this afternoon. I'll start and then at a certain point Anna will come and tell you a little more about herself and then I'll <clears throat> finish this off. Before I begin though, um, somebody, my old dad, asked me a very good question at lunch and that is in the service we talked about um, being diligent to know where in the world the unreached peoples are, those ethnic groups that do not have much access to the gospel. And he asked me, well, how do I learn about that? Where do I, where do I find out about that? And I'd like to bring three resources to your attention that would be helpful to you in that. Um, there's two websites. <clears throat> one of them is called joshuaproject.net. The other one is called peoplegroups.org. And basically what those websites are is each of them has an interactive map of the world on it with all the different nations. And you can go to any nation of the world and learn about diff different ethnic groups that live inside those nations. And it has information available um, on each of those groups. And at least on Joshua Project, they are graded by uh, availability of the gospel. They use terms like reached, unreached, frontier people groups. And if you're, so if you're interested in learning more about the peoples of the world, those two websites are very handy. There's another resource. You may have noticed this book um, on our display table back there. This is called Operation World. This was published back in 2010. So this is about, this information is about 10 years old. I don't know if they have an updated version of this or not, but this is a very valuable resource, basically. Um, it goes through each country in the world and gives information on the status of Christianity in that country, gives you all kinds of statistics like population, what the major languages are, what the major religions are, the politics, the economy, um, <clears throat> all kinds of good information here. And specifically, this book was put together to encourage people to pray for the unreached regions of the world. And so this is a, this is a valuable resource. Um, in fact, one of the countries I'll be talking about this afternoon, my interest was piqued in it because I read about it in here. And um, all of these resources, they come from more broadly evangelical groups, so they um, praise some movements that I wouldn't necessarily commend to you, but they're, still, they're all still uh, very valuable resources and you can learn much from them. So, all right, on with our presentation here. Uh, Anna and I believe that the Lord has called us to serve him in Africa. And so that's the, that is the direction we're heading. We wanna be uh, church planning, missionaries in the continent of Africa, discipling people to uh, follow God and reach their own people. And I'll just give you a summary of my um, salvation and how I became uh, interested in missions in Africa. I, uh, I was saved when I was young, just a little boy. In fact, my mom remembers thinking, well, maybe he's too young to make this decision when I talked to her about it. 
And uh, I remember one day I was sitting there eating a meal with my brother Nathan, and Nathan started telling me about how excited he was that he was going to heaven. And uh, so I looked back at him and I said, well, I'm going to heaven too. But uh, then it crossed my mind, you know what, I really don't know if I'm going to heaven or not. And uh, you know, whenever a little boy has an important life question, there is one question he, uh, he instinctively and subconsciously asks himself, and that question is, where's mom? So uh, I went and I did what every smart little boy does, and I went and found mom, and I just asked her point blank, mom, am I going to heaven? And uh, she was kind, but by the time I was, uh, by the time she was done with me, I knew I was headed to the wrong place. So um, I put my trust in Jesus to save me that day. And uh, so I was saved with, at a young age. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't always live like it. I, uh, at a young age, I, I made a bad decision and fell into some sin that dominated my life until I was about, 17, and God used a trial in my family's life. My dad lost his job and uh, put our family through some hard times. And that, that uh, circumstance, God used to wake me up to the fact that the way I was living was uh, not the way to live. It didn't work. And uh, I remember going through a season where I would try to stop doing what I was doing, and I couldn't. And I would try to stop doing what I was doing, and I couldn't. And uh, finally, one night, I remember I was laying in bed thinking about how miserable my life was. And I just rolled over and cried out into my heart to God to get me out of it. And uh, when I prayed that, as I look back on it, I don't really think I thought God would hear me. But he did. And, uh, you know... Looking back on it, if God had decided to leave me in what I was doing, I couldn't complain. I would have gotten what I deserved. But uh, I'm so thankful that God is a gracious God and a merciful God, and it wasn't too long after that that someone started sharing me the truth of Romans chapter 6. The gospel is not only God's answer to the penalty of your sin, it is, the answer, it is God's answer to the power of your sin. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, you do not have to live in sin anymore. And that is, that is a wonderful facet of the gospel that I had yet to understand. And I didn't get it right away. God had to um, chasten me, me some more before I got it. But uh, I am so thankful that God is long-suffering and merciful and uh, that he doesn't give up on you. And... You know, when you learn that Jesus Christ is the answer, you begin to want to tell people about him. And that was true in my life. I started getting the desire to witness to people, to give the gospel to people, which was not really a desire I had had before. I had had some, but not <clears throat> nothing like I experienced at that time. And so my interest in missions-related things began to develop. And uh, in 2011, we were coming here some. I think we were going to Lighthouse. Uh, were, we go were we going to Lighthouse yet? Oh, we were going to theology school here. Uh, we hadn't quite started going to Lighthouse there um, on the east side of town yet. But um, 
uh, Nathaniel and Timothy were getting ready to go on a missions trip to visit Michael and Tina Raines, whose prayer letter you just heard. And uh, somehow, I don't know how, other than that the Holy Spirit let him in on it, my dad started sensing what God was doing in my heart. And he, uh, he approached Nathaniel and Timothy about the possibility of me going with him. And at that time, Timothy and Nathaniel didn't know me really well, though I assume they prayed about it, but they uh, let me go with them. And so in 2011, I took a trip to Thika, Kenya. Thika is about 45 minutes north of the capital of Nairobi, which is right here. So I won't take time to go into detail about everything that we did, otherwise you'd all be here all afternoon and something tells me you don't want to do that. So, but we went and we lived with Michael and Tina Rains for a month and we, did, we were involved in various ministries, various projects. This is a picture of, um, we did a ministry one day at a high school and uh, some of you have probably heard um, Charles or one of the other Wesco boys quote the book of Jonah and act it out and that's what's going on there. So we, uh, in this particular situation, Timothy was Jonah and Nathaniel and I were various other characters and so we preached the gospel to these students through the book of Jonah. We were there, like I said, about four weeks doing different things. And probably the most significant week, if I remember right, it was the third week that we were there, was we took a week and we set out a booth uh, on the street there in downtown Thika. Actually, not too far. They have a different building now, but this building right back here, I don't know how well you can see it. That was the building that their church um, was meeting in at that time. And so just down the street from that, we set up a booth and set out one of those uh, come see three things God cannot do. Um, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, displays. Displays. And Every week we would go to this roundabout in the middle of the street and we would set up our tent and our booth and we would witness to whoever stopped by. And uh, that was a great week. Um, that week changed my life. Um, that was like God took that week and he was like dumping fuel on the fire for my desire to be involved in uh, missionary type, type work in, in Africa. And uh, we had so many opportunities to declare the gospel that week. I remember one day, may have been more, but I remember one day in particular, we shared the gospel until we were hoarse. We had that, we had that many opportunities to talk to people uh, about the Lord. Um, so, I came back from Kenya. I had a burning desire in my heart to be involved in missions in Africa. Um, and all I wanted to do was go back. I didn't want to do anything else but go back. But uh, God had a different path for me. Um, so in, that was in 2011. Shortly after that, I've started working, I started working for Virgil, and I've been doing that for about the past 10 years on and off. And that's been good, provided for my needs. And Virgil's been fl very flexible with me, and I appreciate that. But... Uh, 2013, I had the opportunity for about 10 weeks to travel with a ministry team. Some of you may be familiar with the Cola Clash 
ministry teen outreach, Lighthouses had them, and uh, this was a group similar to that under a different name, but for about 10 weeks, I traveled around the country, uh, reaching out to teenagers in different cities and different towns, and that was a good and stretching experience for me. And uh, that was one of the things that God used to lead me to uh, attend Bible College at Baptist College of Ministry. So after I took this trip, I believe it was the next fall, I started to attend Baptist College of Ministry. And uh, during my freshman year, I heard about an opportunity to go to Cameroon for a couple weeks and preach the gospel in some remote villages. So I decided to take that opportunity to head back to Africa and uh, I had the funds at that time, so it was like, well, there's an open door, might as well take it. And so I went with a team from BCM Falls there. Some of you, I believe, are familiar with uh, Pastor Mark Gilmore. He was heading that trip up. And we went into a remote region called Aquia, which, whoops, I pushed the button I was told not to push is up in the English-speaking region, up here closer to the border of Nigeria. And uh, for two weeks, uh, we preached in different villages. Uh, Pastor uh, Tom Needham uh, flew us out into the bush, which was a very interesting experience. And uh, basically, we hiked to three different villages and uh, preached the gospel there through that remote region. And... Uh, it was a very good experience for me. It's a stretching experience, but it, it was very encouraging and um, eye-opening. When I was in Kenya, I had done more urban uh, ministry, and, but this was more remote villages, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes, I walked across that bridge. Actually, excuse me, I didn't walk across it. I crawled across it. <laughs> Anna probably would have walked across it, but I crawled. So then, um, during my uh, junior year um, at college, it was about time to start talking about interning. All the guys up at uh, Baptist College of Ministry have to do an eight to nine week um, internship as a, a kind of a required class. And uh, the do Lord opened the door for me to go to Ghana for nine weeks. And this was a very good experience um, for me. I went to the town of Wa which is in the northwest region right up here, maybe about right there. And uh, I was there for nine weeks. And uh, it was an interesting experience because I got to work mostly with national guys. So I ended up hanging out a lot with uh, the national pastors that were there. And then in the evening, I was staying with an American missionary couple. So it was a, I learned some good things from both sides. The Lord, it was really neat how um, the Lord worked that out for me, ministering in everything from, you know, the bigger churches in town to the uh, smaller churches out in the villages. And uh, this is a group of Bible study students that I read, that I led a Bible study for a couple times a week. Uh, there's a picture of me, there was a Christian academy there that I would preach chapel in three times a week when I was there. During that time, I had an opportunity to, for four days to go up into a country called Burkina Faso. And uh, not a lot of people have heard about Burkina Faso, so sometimes when I say Burkina Faso, they say Burkina what? 
But uh, it is a country, it is out there. Um, and so I went up in there, and uh, it's more um, desert-like up there, but I stayed with a missionary there named uh, Keith Shoemaker for about three days, four days, and uh, saw the ministry there. Whoops. And uh, was very encouraged with what I saw. So um, I am very, like I said at the beginning, I am thankful for the Lord's uh, mercy and his grace. You know, the, one of the amazing things about the gospel is not only does God save you, but uh, then he turns around and lets you work for him. And uh, that's just, that's an incredible thing. And, you know, I definitely cannot complain that I've lived a boring life because I haven't. I've lived a very exciting life in these 29 years that the Lord has given me. Um, but the most exciting part of my life to date happened just four weeks ago when I got married to this young lady back here. And, um, oh, I forgot one trip. That's right, I went back to Cameroon. As many of you know, I took a, a missions trip to Cameroon this past December, only I was on a different kind of mission. <laughs> so, uh, last summer, I asked my dad to call Tom Needham to see about the possibility of me courting his daughter, Anna, and uh, naturally, uh, well, Brother Needham didn't know me extremely well at that point, I think he knew of me. But, uh, you know, he asked me to come out to Cameroon and spend some time with him, so I did. And uh, I tried to sneak over there, but I don't think I fooled a lot of people. And, uh, but I went over there and I spent about a week or so with them in uh, Bafusam, Cameroon. And I didn't just, you know, hang out. I, I did help him some. He was uh, building, he's, he's had a hangar project over there that he's been working on. I believe that's mostly done now, but I was able to... Um, help him some with that. Here's a picture. I got, he gave me an opportunity to give a devotional to the guys that were working there. And uh, that was a good opportunity. He even let me work on the plane. I don't know if I would let me work on a plane, but he let me work on the, <laughs> he let me work on the plane. So uh, nothing, nothing too mechanical, though. So I helped him some with that. And uh, there was one day we took a trip up into the mountains to visit some Fulani people. The Fulani are a Muslim tribe. They're a nomadic tribe, a uh, tribe of uh, cattle keepers. But um, the Needhams have been endeavoring to reach these people. Their daughter, Kathy, has translated a chunk of the New Testament into their language. And uh, they are very open to receiving the Bible in their language. It's difficult for them to be saved. Uh, just because of the culture that they live in, but they are very open to receiving the Bible in their own language. And you know, even when it's difficult for people to be saved, it is encouraging if they will at least listen and ponder the Word of God, because Romans 10 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So a willingness to hear is the beginning of God doing something great in a group of people. So I went there, and then I came back, and uh, Brother Needham agreed to let me court his daughter, and now I'm married to her. So now she'll come and tell you a little more about herself.
grew up there amongst the um, African people. And like Matt's testimony, I was saved when I was pretty young. Um, I was about six years old. My mom asked me if I wanted to be saved. And I'd heard the gospel a lot growing up. And um, she asked me, and I said, well, that was when I was five. I said, no, I don't want to be. I put it off. And then at six, she asked me again, and I said, okay. So I um, prayed and trusted in Christ. And then a while later, I started doubting that salvation. I wondered if God really saved me. And then um, I think it was around 11 or 12. I was coming home from Sunday school one time, just walking back. And I cried out to the Lord. I I just really wanted to, to, to know for sure that I was on the way to heaven. And the Lord gave me the verse, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I knew I believed, and therefore I knew I was saved. And I was just so joyful. I knew I was saved. I ran home and I told everybody, I know I'm saved. <laughs> that was just exciting. So those in that picture there, those are my friends that I grew up with in church. And then um, after I was saved, I got really a uh, burden for, for people. And I wanted to see people saved. And there was an um, outreach time that we had. Pastor Mark Gilmer came out to Cameroon, and he was teaching us how to tell other people the gospel. So I really prayed that I'd be able to see somebody saved. And the Lord answered that prayer. I got to see first my first soul saved that week. And since then, I just really wanted to just give the gospel to everyone. And it was it's still, I mean, it's hard to actually get myself out and say and start giving the gospel to somebody so the Lord definitely has helped and then as a teenager I really got a burden for teenage girls especially my the ones that were close to me but then I started praying that God would give me other teenage girls too and so quite a few teens would come up to our house and I'd witness to them have bible studies with them and then in 2014 I left Cameroon went to college in Wisconsin, which is where I met Matt the first time, our freshman year, we were in the same class. And it was, I, I majored in education there in college, and it was during a World Harvest Fields class, because I really loved missions, so I would take as many missions classes as I could, on top of the education classes. So it was in that class, which was the same, I was in, Matt was in the same class as me, with that one. The Lord gave me a, a, a burden for unreached people groups, during that class. And then after college, I went to BBTI, which is where we are possibly heading, I mean, where we are heading, and that is Baptist Bible, Baptist Bible Translators Institute. And the Lord, at that, at that place, the Lord really increased my relationship with him, met with the Lord a lot. And it was also there that I got a burden for deaf missions and really put myself fully into learning sign language and working with deaf people. So that was at BBTI. I like to study outside, but I was obviously distracted. <laughs> no, I didn't eat it. <laughs> These are some deaf girls that I um, started. That was one of, one of the first deaf people that I met after I really started pouring myself into it. And it's Deaf people, that's one of the, I think it's the fourth largest unreached people group in the world. 
and they are definitely a forgotten people group. They, they need missionaries. <laughs> um, after BBT, I went with my family. That was after the war started, so my family and I all started learning French. And I went with them to a seven-week intensive French class. And here we are with our um, certificates for, for passing. After that, this past year, I've been with a 92-year-old lady taking care of her, which it was a little difficult during that time because I thought, well, I've trained for the mission field and now it's time to go, but I'm right, I, I had, the Lord led me right there to, to take care of her. But the Lord taught me a lot during that time. I studied the Bible a lot. I was taking a institute course online and um, the Lord really deepened my roots into the, into the word. Um, then it was there, but I started also getting a burden for African, like just to start deaf ministries there in African countries. And then after that, I'd surrendered completely to staying in America even, but it was around that time that my dad emailed me and asked me if I wanted to come out to Cameroon. And he had intentions that I didn't know about. <laughs> and I agreed, I didn't understand all the, the whys about trip and, and all that but I just uh, agreed to go and I went out and I was able to start or to help with a church plant there that my dad was helping with got to work with the kids it was a lot of fun it was within that a couple days that I got there that my dad took me up in the mountains and he told me that there was somebody interested in me and I was like wait what who <laughs> and he said Matthew Reisinger <laughs> and, and I was one of my first thoughts was God is so good <laughs> it was really neat how God is really just led us together and we are married and um, you can tell about the rest <laughs> are you done okay all right so now that you know that you know a little bit more about uh, where we come from we'll tell you a little bit more about where we're going so um, our future plans um, our immediate plans are a week from tomorrow, we're gonna to head down to Texas, and uh, I will be beginning some language acquisition training at uh, Bible, at, uh, at BBTI there in Texas. It's a Bible Translators Institute. And <clears throat> uh, the purpose of that is to get trained in how to learn a language where um, there's not necessarily any formal instruction. So, you know, you can go to a school here in the United States and learn to speak Spanish or French or um, Polish or something like that. Um, but in, in uh, third world countries, and especially in more rural settings, there are languages that the people speak that uh, there's no formal training offered in them. And uh, these people um, offer a training program where they train you in um, a strategy of how to go in and learn that language and learn it well and how to adapt to the culture and uh, different other different missionary skills like that. Um, this is kind of a detour uh, to my original plans. As I was finishing up seminary, somebody uh, suggested this idea to me. And uh, at first I wasn't all that thrilled about it because I was just getting ready to graduate and be done with school. 
uh, forever. But um, as I prayed about it and I thought about it and I meditated on it, God seemed to lead very clearly that this was the next step for us and it would, that it would be a uh, good investment um, of these next months. Uh, in the process, we will be looking. Uh, there's still some things we need to figure out to get this started, but we will be looking to, uh, at some point, begin going to other churches and raising some additional support so that soon we can uh, put boots on the ground. I like that phrase. You know, you can get up in a pulpit or in a classroom and talk about missions all day long, but it's not until you actually get on the plane and you go somewhere and you walk off that plane and you start uh, preaching the gospel to people that missions actually becomes real. There comes a point when talk has to become reality, and uh, we would like to take, we think we're, we're praying about taking, a uh, 12 to 18 month trip, initial trip here, to uh, work with a more experienced missionary to get uh, more experience uh, and, uh, you know, kind of do some surveying and formulate plans for long-term mission work. So in general, that's our uh, plans for the near future. Uh, right now, our attention is kind of locked into uh, uh, West Central Africa. That's where, that's where Anna grew up. She grew up there in Cameroon. And my attention has kind of been drawn to that region of the world since I uh, interned there in 2018. And uh, specifically at this point, and uh, we're open to God changing this if that's what he wants, but there's, uh, there's uh, three different opportunities that we're considering at this point. Uh, one of them is to, for, to go back to Burkina Faso. Um, Burkina Faso has about 22 million people in it. I've heard uh, statistics ranging anywhere from 50 to 65% Muslim. It's highly rural. People still... Uh, many of them live in primitive uh, third world villages. Um, there's a saying about Burkina Faso that it's 50% Muslim, 20% Christian, and, and that Christian would mostly be Roman Catholic, and 100% animist. You say, now wait a minute, how does that work? Africa, you may have heard this before, but Africa is highly syncretistic in its religion. And what happens many times is maybe Christianity comes in or Islam comes in, and for different reasons, people will adopt Christianity or Islam, but then they'll take some of their old African tradition, their old African demon worship, spiritism, etc., and they will mix that in with either Christianity or Islam. And so you kind of have a confusing blend of all those. <laughs> but... Um, Anyway, that happens a lot in Burkina Faso. Um, Burkina Faso is an interesting situation. It's limited access due to terrorism from, Islamic terrorism from Mali and Niger. There are missionaries currently operating openly in Burkina Faso in the major cities, Ouagadougou, which is the capital. See if I can... Ouagadougou, which is the capital, and then a city called, I gotta look at it to say it, <laughs> Bobo Dioleso, which is over here. And uh, so we are praying about possibly going and working with a missionary that I know over there. Um, but that is definitely a, a, deci a decision that requires much wisdom because there is an element of risk to it. 
Um, another thing we're praying about is Ghana. Ghana is a wide open country. And um, the European language spoken there is English. You could get off the plane and uh, you could just start witnessing to people if you speak English. Um, the population is about 33 million people. Um, it's Christian, quote unquote, majority in the south. And uh, it's majority Muslim in the north. There are many, there are several unreached tribes that desperately need missionaries in the, more, in the north. There is a willingness to listen um, among Muslims. But you don't have that in every area of the world. I experienced that when I was there in 2018. And it hasn't always been that way. But uh, at the moment, there is an openness. There is, a, there is a willingness to listen. And there's just many, many different open doors there. And then, of course, as you can imagine, we have an invitation to come to Cameroon for some reason. Um, there's a couple older missionaries over there that would love it if we did that. And uh, the population of Cameroon is about 30 million. There's, there's several um, independent Baptist missionaries in Cameroon, but there's still large areas uh, that need churches. An example of that would be the Fulani, as I mentioned before, in the Adamawa region, which is kind of uh, north central in the country. And this is an example of a people group where the Bible is being translated into their language, but there is currently no one uh, dedicated to disseminating that Bible among them and teaching it what it means. Um, there are troubled areas such as, as you have heard, the English-speaking area and uh, the north region of the country. So in closing, these are some opportunities that we are praying about, and if you would join the Lord in praying for us in wisdom as to which door he would have us pursue. Um, we would appreciate that. Our heart is, as, is, as uh, happened with Paul in the Macedonian call, when they had gathered, assuredly gathered where God wanted them to go. Immediately they endeavored to go. And that is our plan as we are seeking the Lord. We um, sense that he is led and have clarity on it. That is what we will be doing. Um, my in closing, my father-in-law has a saying, um, that I believe you've heard, and that is, he'll get up and he'll say, in Cameroon, the doors are so wide open, the hinges have blown off. And uh, in my experience in going to different countries, limited as it is, and also based on reports that I hear from other missionaries in Africa, that's just not true about Cameroon. There are many, many places all over Africa where right now the doors are wide open. People are willing to listen. Um, they welcome foreigners in and opportunity abounds. Um, when I think about Africa and the open doors there, there's a verse that comes to mind at the end of Corinthians. Paul's giving the church at Corinth his travel plans and he says this, but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. There is a great, there's currently a great and effectual door open in many places in Africa, but there are adversaries. Um, missions in Africa, um, even though there is an openness among the people, has its risks. Um, there are people that would do you and those you love harm for various reasons. There are, uh, there are still diseases over in Africa that can cause you much harm. 
and international travel and travel within Africa is not always safe. But nevertheless, there is an open door. I'm sure you've heard a missionary preach on this passage maybe hundreds of times. But these words of Jesus are very profound. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto those disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus said the harvest is truly plenteous. And when the Son of God says something, you can bank on it that it's true. And when he says something is truly or verily true, you better sit up and pay attention because he's emphasizing what he's saying. And what he was saying to his disciples is that that, that day is in the world. There is a great and plenteous harvest, but the harvest outnumbers the laborers, which is not a good condition. A few weeks ago, um, I went to the funeral of a longtime family friend. And one of the verses I started meditating on because of that was when Jesus said to the disciples in John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is yet day. But night cometh when no man can work. All across the world in this generation, there are open doors for the gospel if someone will step through it. But there's coming a day in each of our lives when the night is going to come. And all opportunity we had to serve the Lord, to work with the King for his cause on this earth, will be finished. And there is coming a day when, if the Lord tarries, they will put the last people of our generation under the earth. And all opportunity to rescue people in this generation will be lost. There is an open door, but there are many open doors, but many open doors are passing by without laborers. And uh, in closing, let me just, I know I keep saying that, but this is for real this time. Um, in closing, I remember after I came back from Cameroon in 2015, one of my friends that I was going to school with, he, uh, he interned over there, so when the rest of us left, he stayed for a few weeks, and he tried um, to do a lot of work following up with those different young churches that were established. And I remember he, uh, a lot of times when guys do something like that during the summer, they'll have them give a, a testimony to the school when they get back and I remember him giving up, getting up and giving a testimony and he said this. He was talking about how he had gone out and tried to uh, build up these churches and minister to them more and I remember him saying, if only I had a few more men. And you know, I can't help but think as I think about Africa and the many open doors that are there in this generation. I wonder if when uh, time comes to a close and the Lord Jesus stands up and he looks at this generation and he looks at what was accomplished and uh, 
I wonder if he will turn to us and say, I wish I had a few more minutes. If only I had a few more minutes. And, uh, you know, you may be here and you're a young person and you're seeking the Lord as far as to uh, what God would have you to do with your life. And uh, missions work, as I said, has its challenges. It's not always safe. There are disappointments. There are difficulties. But uh, a life lived working with Jesus to rescue the people he died for is a worthy life for you to consider and to pray about and to ask the Lord, will you send me? You know, a wise man once told me, it is far better to volunteer and never be called than to be called and never volunteer. The Lord delights a surrendered person coming to him and volunteering to be used in whatever way he would see fit. So uh, thank you for your patience this afternoon. I trust that was a blessing to you. Pastor, why don't you come and